0: Hello, Portland Trailblazer fans, and welcome to this special edition, very special edition (laughs) of the Blazers Edge. Podcast. It could not be more special if we had Blossom and Joey along. It, it is just uh, quite a tornado has struck the NBA world this week. The NBA draft is coming, but trades are flying left and right, up and down as we speak. Uh, first of all, I should say that uh, we've been on hiatus for a little while. There's a reason. And for that. We are switching to a new host. Uh, we will have more news about that soon. And when that is settled, we will come back full force and even stronger than before. Uh, but until then, we've kind of been tiptoeing around this whole podcast thing, uh, giving your ears a little bit of a break and our host a little bit of a break. <laughs> but it is the week of the NBA, so we had to get Dan Morang here with us. And we are going to Go into everything that's going on. Uh, Dan, first of all, before we get into anything, how how are you leading up to the NBA draft? How are you feeling today?
1: Man, you know, the, the thing is, no one we record these on, on a Monday night, but uh, I, I don't know how to do dates very well, <laughs> and so we pushed it to today, and I'm kind of glad we did, because oh my God, what do we have going on today? I mean... We, we, haven't everything. Had, we, I mean, we haven't had an off-season like this around uh, the draft period, I mean, in the modern era. This is absolutely insane. I'm sitting here cooking dinner tonight with my laptop on one side of me and my cell phone on the other so I can keep up with everything that's going on late into the evening. I mean, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, DeAndre Jordan's, you know, possibly getting traded, and you're sitting there going, what? And it, 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 One rumor after another just keeps yeah. hitting, and you're just—it's— it, it's everything that if the your playoffs wasn't is is on twitter
0: <laughs> you could cook your dinner on your laptop at this point yeah my cell so, phone battery uh, is completely dive. gone
1: i mean I, i'm sitting here like yeah. at, at 14% on airplane mode so i mean it's it's been one of those kind of days but i mean it's been absolutely awesome so this is everything that the nba yeah, was into hoping it. for
0: yeah it's, it's scary uh, first one the the big one one that actually happened atlanta tr- trades dwight howard to The Charlotte Hornets of all teams uh, for Miles Plumley and Marco Bellinelli and some swap of of draft positions, which amounts to the lower end of the draft. Uh, Wow. I mean, did you see that coming? I mean, moving Dwight, sure. I mean,
1: Atlanta's kind of made no qualms about, you know, having a complete fire sale. But, I mean, they, they gave up basically pennies on the dollar. But at the same time, it's a salary dump where they really don't have to take anything back that they didn't want and the pick swap it's i think it's 31 for 41 so we're not talking about a, a grand pick swap here um i mean if you're gonna bottom out that's how you bottom out right there folks so it, it's crazy to, you know so you're a, telling a us that it's, maybe
0: it's, signing a guy for 70 million might not be this in 2016 might not be the smartest move that they're bailing out of that one yeah i mean
1: the, the, that whole team i mean corver's gone joe johnson's gone from a few years ago uh you know, they, they moved on from, from Teague. I mean, everybody from that team that was a core playoff team, 51 team for what felt like a decade, is is basically gone now. I mean, the lone holdover now is Paul Millsap, and the rumors are, are percolating that, you know, basically he can be had in, in any kind of sign-and-trade sign deal. So, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy to, to take a look at, at everything that's kind of happening with, with the Hawks, particularly with Dwight Howard going to the Hornets of all teams. I mean, that's, that's not a team that I would have associated with, you know, wanting a Dwight Howard type. But, hey, I mean, if it makes them more competitive, great. If not, the East is still a dumpster fire.
0: The Hornets are a little, little bit weird. They kind of just take component parts and stick them together. Not sure if they have enough three-point shooting to make that work. But we'll see. I think a, a couple of things that... Should, shows, number one, the respect for at-the-rim play and general rebounding, I think has never been lower, (laughs) I think. GMs and coaches are figuring that almost anybody is going to get those rebounds. Somebody's going to score at the rim if it's available. And if it's not available, nobody's going to score at the rim. You're not going to slow down your offense to feed those guys. So 12.7 rebounds per game doesn't doesn't matter the way it used to. The other thing it's showing is that we're starting to get a real polarization, I think. The Warriors might have scared people now. There's, there's Golden State at one end of the spectrum, and then there's what Philadelphia has done at the other end of the spectrum. And it seems like people are abandoning the middle class a little bit. Charlotte would be the exception. They're going to live there. But, you know, I wonder if you'll see some more of these fire sales and some more of these process-type decisions uh, because people feel that they just can't beat Golden State. I mean, this is really what, what people were talking about six, seven years ago
1: when the idea of tanking as a philosophy, an executable strategy, you know, what kind of effect it could legitimately have on the NBA. And I think we're actually seeing it. It's particularly with, what the Warriors did in bringing in Durant. When you've got a legitimate superpower, a super team that is almost unbeatable. I mean, they are unbeatable for, for all, intents pur- all intents and purposes, but do you want to be stuck in that purgatory of the middle? And this is something that you know, we've, we've discussed plenty over the last two years. Do you want to be in that in that area where it's very hard to improve? It's not like the NFL or Major League Baseball where you have all these draft rounds and prospects are hit or miss, and you've got all this opportunity to get better. If you're not in the top of the draft, chances are you're not making something happen. If you're not a free agent destination you're you, that's already winning, you're not attracting free agents. So, yeah, I mean, this, this middle ground, I mean, it's almost like a
0: no-man's land. Well, teams have to be be careful though, because one injury or one left turn, and the super team is no longer the super team. They'll be a good team, no doubt, because uh, I think they're going to try to keep as many of their, their great players as they can, obviously. But what happens if Clay Thompson leaves that team? What happens if there's an injury again to Steph Curry? Are they great? Um, they're good. But if you start reacting to that as if it's going to be an eternity, you got to remember four or five years is kind of like an eternity in this league. Now, obviously, if you're going to fire sale right now and try to get super high picks because you figure it'll take five years for them to develop, I mean, good on you but if you're planning for the future like 3 years you're going to start your rebuild because you're going to duck the warriors between now and then you may find that the middle ground is a lot closer to the top 3 years from now than it is right now it's a dangerous strategy i think anyway let's talk about the thing now that has got blazer fans buzzing for the last couple of days we we had talked about it long before this as we have with most of these topics but it's come up again uh, because paul george has told the pacers that His tenure there will not outlive his current contract, and he can opt out of that contract next summer. So the Pacers are reportedly looking to deal him. He wants to become uh, a part of the Lakers. God knows why. I mean, it's his hometown, sure, whatever, but still, ew. But in any case, um, Blazer fans are now going, well, one-year rental, worth it, not worth it? What would you have to trade to get him, et Etc. Et what are your thoughts on this whole thing?
1: I mean, anybody who's listened to this podcast in the past 18 months, is, is, it's no secret that Paul George has been kind of like you know the Excalibur for me. Like Pairing him with Damian Lillard is like the perfect match in, in my mind. So the fact that these rumors are coming, I, I was hoping that this would happen a year ago, <laughs> You know, that the Paul George would be available for Portland if Indiana blew things up. Now, if you look at this team as, as constructed, it, it has a Paul George-sized hole in its roster. And if you're looking at what the deals are being discussed that are out there, the Lakers are talking about Jordan Clarkson, 27 and 28. I mean, a package deal of Alan Crabb, 20 and 26, seems like a better deal to me, right?
0: Well, one would think, I mean, uh, the, the, we have a couple of ESPN commentators, uh, Zach Lowe and Kevin Arnovitz, of course, who said on their podcast that Portland could probably, underline probably, because I don't think they'd want to die on this hill, but the, still they said it, probably make the best deal to Indiana that anyone would make. Yeah, I mean, th- that to me is, is is the deal. I mean, if
1: if the going rate right now is is Clarkson... And 27, 28, Crab 2026. 20, I mean, just on paper, I Crab Clarkson. I mean, the, they're both you know making higher than what is expected of them salary wise. And if you look at the picks themselves, Portland's got the better picks. Um, fit wise, I think. Here's the whole idea: is that well, there's two things going on here. One, fit wise, he could come in. Paul George, that is, could come into Portland paired with Dame. Here, here's the crazy thing you would get to keep Dame CJ and Nurk and add Paul George. There was never a scenario where we, we devised that Paul George would get to come into those guys staying on board. That was a pipe dream. Now that could be a reality. Now, is, is it a one-year rental or is it not? I don't know. If you add him to those three guys, and let's say that they make it to the second round or, heck, even the Western Conference Finals. I mean, that's an that's a incredibly potent team. I mean, adding a player of Paul George's caliber, a, a no doubt top 15, maybe top 10 player in the league to your roster with those three guys, a full season of Nurkic, Damon CJ in their prime. That's scary. And I think you have to you have to take the, the risk here because you're not going anywhere anyways with the, the roster is currently constructed.
0: Well, I can give you a a couple things. Uh, First of all, Paul George would fit for a couple of huge reasons. Uh, He can defend and he can play without the ball. And those are rare animals right now. I mean, a lot of Blazers can play without the ball, but they don't have any offense. They don't want the ball. He's one of the best uh, uh, catch-and-shoot
1: players in the league. I mean, he shot like 44% on catch-and-shoot threes. That's that's a bonkers number.
0: Now, as far as the attractiveness to Indiana, uh, uh, Crabb, I could see there kind of—but the big question is, if the Pacers lose Paul George, are they, too, in rebuilding mode? And if they are— can they use their cap space down the road uh, in a better fashion than paying it to Alan Crabb now obviously they, they they won't want to dump all their salaries but is crab one of those foundational three or four players that they'd want to keep and then they need to have flexibility on the top I'm not sure at that price tag that I'd want to tie that up in crab uh, but maybe they will as The, other far thing as the is, one-year
1: rent well, I mean they they'd have the, the same situation with Jordan Clarkson Jordan Clarkson's deal isn't that much. It's, it's, it's just a year shorter than craps, but it's, just, it's right. essentially the same deal. So, I mean, do they want to be locked in it for, for a year less? I mean, that's really the deciding factor between if you're looking at those. If you're Kevin Pritchard and they're looking, you've got one deal in one hand, one deal in the other. You've got better picks, but one more year worth of guaranteed money, one year less of guaranteed money and a little less on the pick side. I mean, that's, that, that's what you're deciding between if you're looking at those two deals on paper.
0: Well, and the nice thing too is that Crabs' contract doesn't escalate. It remains flat. So, that I mean, a lot of the problem with taking on an $18 million a year player. Is in three and a half years from now or three years from now that this guy's making 24 million. That's not going to happen with Crab. So there's a benefit. I mean, he's got shooting. I think he should start. Uh, there's been rumors that he has defense in the, in the pocket. Uh, that's hit and miss. So I, I could kind of see it. But for Portland, for the one year rental thing, people are making a big deal out of this. But I think as long as you do not lose key draft picks, and I'm not sure 20 and 26 are key for Portland right now, as long as you don't get burned with those draft picks. I'm not sure Portland has an incredibly huge concern about this when they sit down and think about it, because you know what Paul George would amount to is really the most fancy, the most applaud ridden salary dump that you could possibly conceive. Because they're gonna get killed if... public relations-wise, if they end up dumping a bunch of players for players everybody hates or obviously on one-year contracts that they're just going to get rid of, everybody's going to look back to last summer and say, big mistake, you got us into this, this was a horrible way to get us out, we are not enthused. Paul George covers all of that, even if he walks. The story next summer is going to be, well, you had to take your shot, didn't you? And they did, and we had a great year, and that's the way it goes, but you certainly can't fault him for taking the shot. He absolves all sins, so I think even at a one-year, uh, you know, tenure, that there are some positives to it from Portland's point of view. Well,
1: absolutely. I mean, the other thing is that not only does it work as a salary dump, it's an immediate salary dump. I mean, if yeah. Paul, if Paul George leaves after a season, you, you essentially rid that entire contract from Crab for free. I mean, yeah. it, now I mean, it's you, you do not
0: get. You do not get cap space, okay? We should underline that, without further moves. Now, if they can dump more salaries, sure. This is not going to give them operating space other than a a mid-level exception or what have you, possibly. But it's not like they're going to be able to sign another free agent. But they will get closer to being out of the quagmire that they're in. Now, of course, the big wrench in that is that you've got to extend or sign a Nurkic at some point, and that's going to put you right back there. But at least when you do that... You won't be looking from from going to the you know fourth circle of hell to the ninth circle. At least you'll be at the gates, and you only get plunged back into the ninth circle again. <laughs> now Let's talk about another forward who has been loosely associated with uh, with the Blazers. Uh, there's been some idea of three-way trades, and, and well, actually three-way love, I suppose we could say now none of that serious of course but if the Blazers could get love by some crazy whacked out deal that we haven't thought of yet would you see him as an acceptable fit and a good get based on where they are right now yeah, I, I've, I've kind of torn myself to pieces over this if you're looking at it
1: from a purely financial um, sustainability kind of project then I, I can I can go with that I, I can work with that totally and completely but the idea of adding Kevin Love for basketball reasons, you're already asking a guy like Nurkic to try to cover up for Dame and CJ shortcomings defensively. You had a guy like Kevin Love into the mix, and now, I mean, the only other guy you've got on the floor defensively who you can count on for by any shape or means are either Aminu or Harkless. So for me, I really... I can't get behind it on the basketball reasons, but if if you're if you're trying to form an asset collection kind of idea, I can get behind that.
0: At this point, what do you got to lose? I mean, I, I would I would go for that, too. At least you get a four-starter power forward. You probably don't lose both of your small forwards, uh, assuming that Aminu could switch back there. And uh, I'm good. I'm better with that team than I am with the one they have right now. Uh, let's talk about, in general, some of the other things that have gone on or are rumored to be going on. Uh, Brooke Lopez got traded to the Lakers for D'Angelo Russell and Timofey Mozgov. Uh, what do you make of that?
1: I, I'm kind of speechless because If you listen to the Lakers fans Lakers stands, whatever you want to call them D'Angelo Russell was like the second Coming and the, To see him traded for basically A salary dump kind of situation Basically as, as the filler Piece necessary to move Mozgov's Contract for a year rental of Brook Lopez
0: um, Now he's the second going
1: Yeah I mean really I mean that it, It's crazy From Brooklyn's perspective, you get younger. You don't have picks. So, yeah, great job because they can eat a contract like Mozgov, and now you've got a young asset, which you don't have a ton of, that was a high lottery pick in D'Angelo Russell. I mean, if he works out for him, great. If not, I mean, it's another rookie deal that they get to kind of push on forward with and continue rebuilding.
0: Yeah, both of those teams are a mess right now it's yeah i don't know what they're doing i i doubt it'll work out for either of them uh unless and until paul george arrives in the lakers uniform but of course lopez who knows if he's going to still be there um rumors uh deandre jordan shocking one also pretty tenuous jimmy butler perhaps rumored to not want to re-sign with Chicago. Uh, Patrick Beverly supposedly wants out of Houston. That one's probably a bit more firm. Porzingis in the Knicks. Um, they I I don't know what they're doing. He's the one guy who gives them any kind of PR rub there, and they're like, no, we cannot stand good publicity. We cannot stand it unless everyone in all the boroughs thinks we're freaking idiots, so let's trade away Porzingis for somebody. Do any of those even remotely interest you or any connection to the Blazers at all in any of that?
1: Well, I mean, let's start with with the big one one there, and that to me is is Porzingis, KP. I mean first of all I mean Phil Jackson will do anything and everything right now I mean I, I don't think there's anything that he won't be capable of, of, of pulling out of his hat and I don't mean that necessarily any kind of of good man or good fashion um, if Portland could get him without giving up Dame I'd be all for it I mean CJ for for KP is, that's a that's a pretty stellar deal I mean at the the versatility you would add is pretty staggering. The DeAndre Jordan one is a bit surprising simply because he is kind of what he is, and he's kind of been the, 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 the linchpin, the healthy one, for long periods of time. While Griffin has been banged up. Chris Paul's been banged up. And it, it, to me, it's a little bit interesting that he'd be the one that, that, they, that they would get rid of. So, I mean, that's a little crazy. But for Portland, it makes no sense. They've got Nurkic. So, I mean, but it's it's crazy to see these names kind of tossed out there. And then the guy like Patrick Beverly, who for, you know, the Rockets has kind of been the their heart and soul as far as, you know, the the lifeblood of the team as far as character and grittiness and toughness. And now all of a sudden he's all over Twitter like, Nah, I'm out of here. I'm good. I got no problem with it.
0: Yeah, Patrick Beverly would be an interesting add just for that defensive veteran presence. He's a little bit of a wild card, but Portland could probably use that. I don't think there's any chance they actually get him. Uh, they can't afford it uh, in any case. Um, Jimmy Butler, no, he has to handle the ball too much, won't fit, and they won't trade CJ for him, probably. It yeah, is there's not enough air um, in the ball to go around between, between no, James and Jimmy not. Butler. It's just, yeah, yeah, uh, no way. Yeah, no. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, in a perfect world, what an offensive-defensive combo uh, would Jordan and Nurkic make. That would be... A very interesting situation but of course again can't trade for him can't afford to absorb him uh, and there are not enough minutes and this is why Nurkic was mad in Denver not that Nurk wouldn't start he might I don't know would depend on what you needed but DeAndre Jordan without having to play the fourth quarter uh, in crunch time is a really good DeAndre Jordan to have but the Blazers can't get him question straight up Porzingis for CJ let's say Phil Jackson says yeah I'll do that would you do that? The beginning of the day,
1: I I would it would lean towards no. But as I've kind of looked more into it and and, and con- kind of compared some of the numbers and, and the growth that KP has shown, I'd say yeah. I mean CJ to me is is becoming harder to trade him, which is kind of ironic because I, I you know I've always been the guy that Dame and CJ is not going to work together. But CJ has become arguably the best pure shooter in the entire NBA. I mean that's that's it's it's you, you look at his numbers from all around the floor and it's absolutely bonkers, but KP's seven foot three in his second year he's averaging uh, what eighteen and eight still not getting the ball in New York it's still being run through mellow. and he's improving in every aspect he gives you more uh, rim protection he's mobile enough on the perimeter to to at least cause some issues defensively uh, for opponents. And I mean, he's the unicorn. I mean, <laughs> I mean there's, there's, what, what else do you say to that? And I think, as far as roster diversification and, and being flexible, adding a guy like a seven foot three center like that, I mean, it just bodes too well for, the, for, the, for them to say no.
0: The general argument would be Porzingis is more special, or higher in the than McCollum is in the hierarchy of guards. Uh, it might be debatable, but I think I, I can see the uh, the argument there. You at least have to be tempted. But I think part of what this shows, too, I mean, for years and years, as long as we've been talking about this, the Blazers have suffered from a lack of timing. And it's not necessarily their fault. Just stuff happens where... They have the right move at the wrong time or the an open need that isn't filled when they have it and then it's filled later now they ended up getting Nurkic which is great it filled their center need Uh, they're good to go for now it appears at the same time last year they were desperate for a center and couldn't find any and now this year if you Feels like every center in the league is being traded. Even some of the—I mean, there's been talk about Anthony Davis. Not that the Blazers could get him either, but I mean, that's how widespread the market has been on seven-footers so far this June. And the Blazers don't need one and can't sign one or make an imbalanced trade for one anymore. It's just like, ah, oh, right thing, wrong time. Yeah, daily dollars uh, short of-
1: across the board. I mean. Yeah. Well, they're more than.
0: They're a year late and several, several tens of millions of <laughs> dollars short, but that's okay. Um, part of the news, I guess you'd call it, we've been talking about this for a long time, but uh, it became, I guess, a little more official or insider ish uh, when Jason Quick announced that. The Blazers are probably looking to trade picks 20 and 26. Some of that might be the lack of quality talent down there in that range. Another part of that, as we have said, is that they are going to have to dump salary and roster slots somewhere. If those can be leveraged to do that, more power to them. Uh, Anything surprising, interesting, or whatever about that realization to you?
1: No, not particularly. The only thing is I, I've kind of maintained that I, I've, well, I felt that Portland would use two draft picks. I figured they would use their first, the 15th, and I figured they would use 26 as, as, a, as a stash and look at one of the European players. Um, the 20 was always the one that I figured when they got that, they would use that to pair with somebody to, to move them um, out as far as some, kind of, some sort of salary consolidation or, or, or move along those lines. Um, moving two picks... I think it could be very costly if you're not doing it for a, a a bigger return. The like the idea of a Paul George that makes sense. If you're pairing two picks up with you know Myers Leonard to get uh, a Co- a Costa Cufas from Sacramento, that to me seems like a, a move backwards. You know, a few steps. Um, I, I think that the, the move itself has to make sense on on the front of well, balancing the idea of clearing some salary at the same time, maintaining enough talent and bodies on the roster that are competent enough to carry out at least a measurable sense of success.
0: Yeah, but what is success? I mean, that's the big question. First of all, can you make a move to make yourself that much better with those picks? Ah, that's iffy. Success might be, in this case, Myers-Leonard is making $10 million multiply that by luxury tax penalties and Myers Leonard is costing you $35 million, um, maybe trading him might be success. Uh, if you you're looking at a know. guy like it Kufus depends table. on the perspective. That's the thing is, you're, if you're moving him for a guy like Koufos,
1: who's making eight and a half, I believe, yeah. how,
0: how much are you? Not re- saving that much. Exactly.
1: The That's the thing is, you're trying to, like, if you're going to attach somebody to one of these, if you're going to move two picks, it has to be grab a turn for it to really make sense well, financially.
0: The thing is it doesn't have to be the same trade though. You don't have to put all your eggs in one basket. Basically, if they save 5 million here and 5 million there, that still amounts to the same 10 million, yes. uh which gives them a lot of tax relief and you know again people say Paul Allen you know he has all kinds of money. Paul Allen does have all kinds of money but he doesn't like to spend it inefficiently. Uh, He never has. That's why the Blazers went on kind of an austerity program after the Witsit era was done because that didn't work and it's not working again by the way when the salary cap has ballooned for them and also I mean Paul Allen has to play the long game a little bit if they're not going to win now and hopefully he's playing the long game not just for himself but for the franchise you can't sell this thing if it if if they're going in the red that badly you you can't you can't turn this over responsibly to someone else without them blowing it apart entirely or starting to look at well maybe we make more money if we're in seattle maybe we make more money if we're in las vegas whatever it's it's Good for the health of the franchise yeah. to have, a healthy franchise, and reducing that cap obligation is probably part of that package.
1: Yeah, financial solvency is, is something that's is often overlooked because of the amount of money that these owners possess. Uh, everybody's like, oh, Paul Allen's willing to spend, and all these owners are willing to spend. No, they're not. They, they, it's, it's shown over the, the history of uh, all the tax implications that, that have been brought on since its advent in the CBA the only teams that are willing to spend are championship-contending teams. That's it. And the Knicks. And the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's because the amount of money that they bring in at MSG, is, is it, it overshadows every other team in the
0: league. The, the, well the, it's their tv deal they have to have names every fall in order to get people to switch the channel to them and whatever happens in the spring that you just sign another name or renew hope because you've got players who are coming back from injury or who used to average 25 a game and you hope that this will be the year and then everybody watches your tv station again
1: exactly so Portland's not portland in portland doesn't have pos- that yeah they're not in that position to do that so and the, the, yeah. they don't have the, the kind of revenue stream to be able to pull something like that off. And, and I mean, yeah. again, so, and again, it's, it, it just falls back to just being, you know, responsible as, as far as an owner for not only the, yourself but the, the the health of the franchise, the the, the city, and, and the morale of of everybody involved.
0: Right. And you know, people might say, "Well, he has a yacht that's probably worth billions. Yeah, I don't know if it's worth. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it probably is. It's probably worth more than he's paying the team. But you actually get to sail on the yacht and it floats. If you're 41 and 41, you're halfway down. You're halfway to sinking. So, I mean, you'd be pretty mad if you paid all that. If you paid $35 million extra for your yacht and then it didn't float no you'd be looking to change up that lot or at least you would want a discount so yeah uh, I think shedding salary is not only responsible but probably desirable at some point let's say the Blazers don't end up making that trade though that they keep the the picks Uh, where's the drop off in this draft where would you say the lines are uh, in terms of talent uh, and then lesser talent all
1: right so the first group for me is the top nine players so You've got Markel Fultz, you've got Lonzo Ball, Josh Jackson, Jason Tatum, um, Jonathan Isaac. to me, Isaac is, is, is the big kind of boomer bust guy, and I don't even think his bust is, his, I think he's got one of the highest floors of anybody in the league, anybody in the class. Um, and you could even throw a guy like uh, like Lori in that group as well just because everybody is so high on what he is offensively. There are serious defensive questions. But he has been absolutely staggering as far as uh, shooting in college. So that's 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 that group of guys that you can kind of pick and choose what happens after four or five. But they're all going to kind of go in that range, that top nine. And then after the top nine, it's ten through thirteen, fourteen, and that's where you've got some a, a guy like Frank Ntilikina, uh, the the French point guard. Um, and there's there's some other guys in there as well that could kind of bounce back and forth. A uh, uh, Zach Collins, according to some people, he's moving up inside the top ten. According to the others, he's 15 or 16. But those are the guys that have a little bit tighter window in that area. And then at 14, 15, where Portland's picking, there's another drop off. At least in my opinion, of what guys are going to be. And those are the guys that have a defined skill set, but their ceiling isn't that high and their floor is much lower. You got guys like Terrence Ferguson three and D Justin Jackson, three and D Um, you've got a guy like John Collins who his workout showed him being extremely explosive. The ability to knock down corner threes as a stretch big, he's a little bit undersized though. And defensive questions uh, are definitely out there. So there's a lot to be had here, but once you're picking where Portland is picking, you're not necessarily, I mean, you're not necessarily picking guys that are going to be immediate contributors outside of their, core skill sets and you're not expecting a lot of them from day one
0: well and the problem would be that you're not in control right i mean because if you're picking 15 you're at the mercy of 1 through 14 and whoever they leave you but conversely there seems to be a bit of chaos in this draft there could be maybe not a top 10 talent but some of those guys in the tier just above the blazers one of them could drop
1: Oh, easily, and that's the thing is with with all this trade discussion that's been going on. Um, let's say a team like Sacramento that owns the picks five and ten. Um, if, if they move the one of the one or both those picks, let's let's say it's not going to happen. But let's just say that they move five and ten for Jimmy Butler. Well, I mean that throws a wrench in everything because now what? Which way do, do the Bulls go with five and ten? They're going to go a different route than the, the Kings were going to go, right? So. Now, one player who may have been valued higher may be going another. Let's kick that a little bit further. Let's take a guy like Jonathan Isaac, who to me the perfect fit for him would be alongside Nurkic or alongside another big like Cat. Let's say the Timberwolves, who have been rumored to be interested in Jimmy Butler, let's say they pair up Zach Levine and, and their number seven pick for for Jimmy Butler. Now, all of a sudden, they don't they aren't going for Jonathan Isaac. Now, does do other teams that are just a pick or two behind? Uh, the, the eighth or ninth pick, are they looking to jump up and, and snag a guy like Isaac? What does Orlando do? They've got a plethora of forwards, and where they're picking at, it's mostly point guards, but there's a few forwards that a lot of guys are really after. So, as you start looking at the draft and as we get closer and closer to it, how many of these teams are going to be thirsty for these picks that are at six, seven, eight, nine, ten? And what does that mean for Portland? Could somebody who was supposed to be in that range slide back? And would, does that mean Portland? Pairs up the fifteen and Noah Vonleh to move and to move up to eleven or twelve.
0: Exactly, and it's going to be a chaotic, interesting draft night. Have you got gut feelings about where the Blazers will go with fifteen?
1: The guy that I I hope they take is a guy like OG Anunoby. I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, great, another Aminu." This guy is a wrecking ball of energy and athleticism. He's easily the best defensive prospect in the entire draft. He's got a workable shot. Um, he's a physical specimen I mean strength, speed, agility Mobility, he can cover multiple positions Two through four, even maybe some vibes With his strength uh, And that to me is is one of the biggest Shortcomings for Portland right now Is having positional versatility um, Outside of that Terrence, Terrence Ferguson is the guy for me Because he looks more and more like a 3 and D guy Who has both the 3 and the D covered It's not just an idea of 3 and D He, he he wants to work on that end as well. So those are the two guys that I think Portland have kind of honed in on.
0: Yeah. OG I've been with from the beginning. Ferguson would be different for me, but yeah, I mean, and say it with me, by the way, with OG, he's not just another Aminu. He's a cheaper Aminu. (laughs) So, I mean, some redundancy among these rookies is not a bad thing because it might free up to trade some of these veterans. As we close, uh, Gut feeling, what do you think is going to happen with the Blazers' picks? Not in terms of players selected, but are they going to use and keep all three? Uh, are they going to package and go up? Are they going to go down? Are they going to get out? What are they going to do? My personal choice would be that they use two,
1: and that's using 15, using 26, and, and hoping that they can get some young talent back in the stable. From all the reporting, both locally and nationally, what's probably going to happen is that they use 15 and they move 20 and 26. So um, I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I just – I'm of the firm belief that anytime you have the opportunity to add a young, cheap talent on controlled contracts, especially right now when you're not going to overtake the Warriors and you've got to build to something, you should take advantage of that. So that, that, that ultimately I think that's the way they should go, but I think they'll end up
0: using two of those picks and trades. possibility to think that they still trade up. I don't think they can go crazy because the economy isn't there for it, even though those picks are moving. They're moving for picks close to them. But if you if you see somebody at 12 that you like at, at 11, and all it takes is one team to not like their choices there, the Blazers technically have the freedom to offer all three picks in return. They haven't got—they barely got roster slots for these guys. If they don't like anybody in the lower part of the draft, and somebody at twelve or eleven, like I said, is. is dissatisfied hey you want 15 20 and 26 instead of 12 and 11 uh if you think that's the guy who's going to help you right, right now i think they do it without blinking the disadvantage is then you've only got one rookie deal uh instead of three but you know what you can take that one better rookie deal and get a couple of minimum level players and, and fill the same three slots the other thing to remember the trailblazers might not be picking for themselves boys and girls they might be be picking for other players the night of the draft. Hopefully the commentary will give us some of that, or Twitter will, or what have you. But uh, don't fall in love with everybody <laughs> the Blazers select. Stay tuned for Woj Bombs. The, yeah, the, the, some of those players might be destined elsewhere. So... We thank you very much for joining us. We will probably be on a slightly shorter hiatus yet while we get a couple things squared away. But we will be back with more shows, more hosts, more topics, and more of you. So for Dan Morang, I am Dave Deckard. Thank you so much for joining us. We will talk to you again very soon.